This is The Think Tank with Dr. Mike O'Neill talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. The Think Tank. A very, very timely show this week uh, in in the news. You can't miss it. Uh, Vaccinations, masks, no masks. Uh, Under what conditions do you wear masks? Who has to wear a mask? Uh, We have a very, very interesting panel. Dr. Jackie Jackie, uh, Carter is here. She is a pediatrician, and she was also the one of... uh, the doctors who I think you were the one who physically handed the petition to the governor. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Sophia Carrillo Dahl is a school board member with the Creighton School District. And later on, we will be joined by Tony Connie, who's a political analyst. So we're going to talk about masks and we're going to talk about the uh, political, the medical and the uh, school side of that. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Uh, Dr. Carter, I'm going to start with you. Uh, and the uh, first thing I'm going to note here is that we are all masked here in the studio. We did a sound test, and it worked okay. And uh, that was largely – by the way, here at the station, there are protocols. Uh, and about the only – in the, in the newsroom, basically – um, I normally walk in through the newsroom. I've got friends there. I was so sort of told I'm in a very nice way. I'm banned from the newsroom because I don't have this official function. I just go to my own studio and do my own work. Number two, people there are all masked uh, and uh, no common food and a few other uh, things that uh, represent uh, an escalation of the uh, policies. We we were pretty much on lockdown here for about 15 months. I did all the shows from home via uh, uh, electronically Zoom. Uh, and I've been back for a couple of months. And uh, over the last several days, basically, things got ramped up again. And I will point out that it was at your behest, Dr. Carter, that we're all masked here in the, in the, uh, in the studio. Uh, tell me about that and why that why that matters yeah i'd be happy to um we were originally earlier in the spring seeing a a good rise in the vaccination rate and we were dealing with the first generation of the covid and our count cases were going down and it looked really promising however as things have gone over the last 18 months things change quickly Now, the United States has been um, taken over by the Delta variant. The Delta variant is much more contagious. About a primary, the original version could infect uh, three people if you were infected. This version is more like between six and eight if you were infected. If you know the mathematics of that, and I do, uh, that is an astronomic that may not sound that much, but when you take these numbers, I remember... When uh, and I'm mathematically inclined. When the original uh, information came out about COVID, and you're talking about doubling or tripling over a certain period, but there was only a few dozen or a few hundred cases. I remember looking at that and saying, "I'm not looking at the number of cases. I'm looking at the rate of increase, 
and I'm saying this is catastrophic when we're in the range of a few hundred because it's a mathematical function. If you understand the mathematics, you can get from a few cases to an astronomical yes. number. And I'll do a little anecdote about that in the kind of the history of mathematics. Uh, there was a fella in, in the Middle Ages did a favor for the king. And the king said, well, you know, what do you want? I'll, I, I want to reward you for your work. And he said, here's all I want. He said, uh, take out a checkerboard. And on the first uh, checkerboard, uh, put a, a, uh, a grain of rice. And on the second one, put two. And on the third one, put four and so forth. And, it sound, and, the, and the king says, is that all you want? And, and the mathematically savvy, uh, you know, uh, person who had done for the, the favor for the king said, yeah, that'll do. Well, the problem is there's not that much rice on planet Earth. That's the nature of a, geogra- a geometric progression. You know, you got to about 30 squares and then you, you ran out of rice. And, uh, and that was the, the problem we're in. That this, if, if, if your transmission rate exceeds 1.0 by any significant number, you get massive growth. And if it gets less than 1.0, it dies out. So, but I... Yeah, and so what we're dealing with now is that we have had this change. I think um, close to 90% of our samples now are the Delta variant. And so with that increase in transmissibility, unfortunately, we've had to go back to recommending mask indoors. And so that is a CDC recommendation for pretty much any um, events that are held indoors that are more than 15 minutes of contact. Tell us about the petition to the governor, what it says, why you did it, and what happened. Well, uh, back in, I believe it was June, the end of June, the legislature had passed a bill um, to do with um, the budget, and they appended to the bill a... um, statement or a law that basically banned, based on the idea of discrimination, um, mandates from the school systems on mask wearing, as well as um, banning vaccination requirements or proof of vaccination requirements. And so that got signed into law by Governor Doug Ducey. And so a group of physicians in the Valley made up of people from all different backgrounds in terms of specialties, um, some parents, some not, signed on to this letter that we presented to Governor Doug Ducey uh, last week or tried to present to him directly. We got met by a staffer. And uh, basically <clears throat> the contents of that letter were urging him to either sign an executive order to rescind that law or to consider not enforcing it in terms of punishing school districts who decided to require mask mandates. So uh, you, were, you were met by a staffer. Uh, and what, what other kind of reaction have you gotten from various, various places to what you did? Um, I think a lot of parents are... are frustrated and sad. We had a lot of parents that were hoping their kids would finally get to go to school in person. Um, We had a lot of physicians that are frustrated by the long, grueling fight that has been our fight against COVID-19. 
um, they're frustrated with the basic hygiene principles not being enforced. Um, we had some parents that have been very much against mask mandates, saying that their individual freedoms are more important than the health of children in the school system. Um, it's kind of a, a very decisive, divisive, pardon me, issue right now. Would you address that? That's the usual argument seems to be, uh, whether it's vaccinations or masks, it's the other side is freedom. Yeah. Um, having grown up with a, a father who's a libertarian, we used to have some conversations about this. And personal liberties are important up until the point you're affecting other people's health and safety. And I think people are losing fact, uh, the fact that they are impacting other people's health and safety, especially with the mask mandate. Masks are simple. They're safe. They've shown to be effective in decreasing transmission of COVID-19. There's no doubt that it's recommended both by the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics for K-12 through schools to require students, staff, and teachers to wear masks. We will return. That, that was Dr. Jackie Carter. We'll return and talk to Sophia Carrillo-Dahl. She is a board member of the Creighton School District, and uh, they have taken a stand against the governor's bass mandate, as have others. And we'll, we'll, we'll start right in talking about that when we return in just a moment in Think Tank. The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back discussing COVID, masks, vaccinations, and the like. We've just spoken to Dr. Jackie Carter. Our other guest in this segment is Sophia Carrillo-Dahl. She's a board member of the Creighton School District. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, let me set a little context here. This is very, very fast-moving. As has been noted, the legislature passed a, a law out, basically outlawing any mask mandates, and we are starting to see a cascade of uh, of institutions basically defying that. ASU, a couple of days ago, announced a policy to require face masks in classroom. They will require masks to be worn in certain indoor settings, including classrooms and labs. And uh, they were followed on uh, Thursday morning by the Maricopa, the entire Maricopa Community College District. Uh, there are other school systems, including yours, that have gone the same way. So this is a uh, a very, very contentious issue and uh, one that I assume you folks uh, didn't take lightly. Tell me how your, the, your position, position of your board evolved on this question. Yeah, so it, it's kind of honestly kind of simple. I'm not sure when this became a political issue and it hasn't become a health issue, right? Last year or the year before that, about 15, 16 minutes ago or 16 months ago, when we were in the same situation, our school board decided to shut down our school. We The rates that we have on positivity rate in the Creighton School District right now and our zip code and then outer city is completely in the red. We're in a high transmission 
And if the CDC guidelines would have been the same that they were almost two years ago, we would be remote learning only. We know that remote learning is hard for a lot of the children. We want children back in school. So when this whole amendment happened um, into the budget and Governor Ducey decided that us as local controls school boards could not make the best decisions for our communities is when we decided to take a stand and say we're not having it. Um, It's really hard to see um, families and children suffering from COVID, especially with this variant. I understand that before it wasn't as contagious, but now the CDC and the American Pediatrician Association and even the local physicians are telling us that children are being attacked by this Delta variant at a higher rate that COVID did. Um, and it, and it's kind of mind it's kind of mind blowing to have somebody who is telling us what's best for our kids and our communities, and we didn't take that lightly. So last week on Tuesday, when we had our governing board meeting, the board unanimously directed our superintendent to mandate masks. We started school on Monday, and on Tuesday they were enforced. And honestly, it's it's great to go into the schools and see everybody wearing masks because this is where the learning happens. This is where the interactions happens, not only for the grades or anything, but their social emotional learning. And they can um, access that safely. Let me read to you a statement. There was a group of lawmakers uh, from the Republican Party that are pushing the governor to take action against actions like your board has taken. Uh, They issued a statement that, let me read uh, an excerpt. It said, it borders on anarchy and destabilizes the very foundation of our society to have local governments effectively refusing to comply with the new law. It must not be allowed to stand. That was signed by 26 Republican legislators led by Representative Jake Hoffman. I wonder if you'd respond to that. I do have a response to that. My job as an elected official, when my community elected me, it was to do what was in the best interest to keep their children, and not only the children in our schools, but our community safe. And if the CDC, the pediatricians, the data, the science is telling us that this is the best thing that we can do to protect our kids, that's what me as a single person is going to push for. So how do you, I mean, among the proposals have been, uh, what do you do if they decide, as has been proposed by some legislators, uh, that if you continue to defy the, the governor's orders on this, that they'll, they will uh, cut your funding? I think that, I, honestly, I'm not really familiarized with the legal system on how that works, but I know for sure that there is ways around that. It's not constitutional to take, I mean, they're already attacking our public schools, right? It's happened for, the, I don't know how many years. And this is just another way for people to actually wake up and say, look at what these people are doing to our public schools. They're hurting our children. They're hitting our communities. I mean, I know of... One specific example I want to give is Brophy. You know, that's a really well-connected school that Governor Ducey has with, I don't know if he has children enrolled there anymore, which, yeah, Dr. Carter's saying yes. And they're not... Certainly he has had children go there. Right, certainly has had. I'm not sure if there's still somebody, but I believe Dr. Carter's saying that he does have somebody and they don't have to follow this law because they're a private school. So not only... And they have a mask mandate. Not only do they have a mask mandate, but after I believe it's the 18th of September, if you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed to step foot in that campus. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of ironic to see how they are so willingly and so okay to attack our public schools, but certain 
private sectors do not have to follow these mandates or these rules. Well, that's the other thing I think that's going on in this area. There is a cascade of organizations that are starting to enforce vaccine mandates, uh, including in September, the entire United States military uh, seems to be uh, uh, developing. I don't think that's been issued, but the Defense Department secretary has indicated that that's what he intends to do. I think they were waiting for the uh, what they call the final the final certification of the, of the vaccines, which I don't think anybody questions. Doctor, tell me if you're right. I don't think anybody questions that that's no, on its way. No, the FDA is going to be reviewing that in the next three to four weeks for final authorization for Pfizer. And I don't think there's much doubt about the outcome, do you? I mean, no. I mean, you do that based on, correct me if I, but, but it, my understanding is you do that based on, largely on safety's concerns. And we have now had de facto a test involving 100 million Americans and basically no bad outcomes for, for, all, for all intents and purposes. Very, very, very small amount of side effects given the amount of disease burden from COVID-19 itself. And I think even those were suspect. You know, it's whenever you, you administer things to a very huge number, uh, a group of people, there's going to be a certain number of people who have something bad happen. It might have happened anyway. Correct. You know, when you get really large numbers and that, and that you, you know, in effect, you, you, need, you might have a case of something appeared, but would that have appeared anyway if it's only one or two cases and you've ministered 100 million doses, the likelihood that, you know, b- bad things happen to individuals in terms of their health situation Randomly. That is correct. Here and there, and in, in particularly in very, very minuscule numbers. We'll be back in just a moment. We will continue our discussion with uh, Dr. Jackie Carter and uh, school district, uh, I think, vice chair, vice chair, vice president. Vice president, correct. Uh, Sophia Carrillo-Dahl, when we return in just a moment in the think tank, we're discussing COVID masks and vaccinations. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back in the Think Tank. This is Mike O'Neill. I have with me Dr. Jacqueline Carter and Sophia Carrillo-Dahl, who is a board member, vice president of the Creighton School Board. Welcome back to the Think Tank. Uh, Dr. Carter, uh, you wanted to address the issue that uh, many people say, oh, COVID is not that... uh, is not that serious for kids. They don't seem to have a severe negative reaction. I wonder if you uh, would care to comment on that. Uh, yeah, Michael. Um, I think we got a little bit lulled into complacency because last year we had people doing uh, online school with their children. We had um, several districts that were closed down entirely and were not doing in-person learning. Uh, we had a lot more... Um, physical restrictions in terms of restaurants being closed, bars being closed. Nobody really wants to return to that. But now that we are more opened up, we're having our kids in-person schooling, which is better for their mental health. Now, without masking, we're having a lot of transmission. And with that comes much higher um, infection rates. So last year, people didn't see a lot of infection in covid 
we didn't see a lot of viral infections in general. We had almost zero cases of respiratory syncytial virus, which is very common in the winter. I didn't see any influenza cases last year. We, we shut down the flu because we were all right, inside. Right, because we were all yeah. inside. We're all masked and we are avoiding you know, direct contact. This winter, this fall, we are seeing it now. We have a huge increase in RSV. We have a huge amount of infants in the RSV ICU. Is, That's the respiratory syncytial virus. And I expect the same thing will happen with COVID infection. We're already starting to see a lot more cases being sent to the ER, cases in the PICU being admitted, because once we have a more infectious variant, more children get sick, more children get infected. So things that you would normally consider more rare, you're going to see more and more cases of because more and more people are infected. The only way to break that is vaccination and masking. Our children are not eligible for vaccination. Therefore, the only other thing we can do is require masking. I know that uh, in terms of vaccinations, the CDC has been taking that downward step at a time. I think the current age is 12. Is Mm -hmm. that right? That is correct. Uh, Is there a target date? for uh, the next wave of, uh, you know, to lower that? Yes. The studies have been ongoing with both Pfizer and Moderna, the two mRNA vaccines. Those studies have been ongoing over the last six months, but because they are pediatric uh, recommendations, the FDA has asked for a lot more data. So they want a lot more uh, people in their trials of all ages so they can look for safety and side effect profiles. Because of that, that slowed down how fast we are able to authorize or even give an emergency use authorization. So we're looking probably not until November for that to happen. That's a likely target. Yes. We are hoping for earlier, but I'm not sure that's going to happen at this point. I think the point being they're careful about this. Yes. They are very conservative. They are very conservative. Uh, people want to say that this process was rushed. They've been working on coronavax- coronavirus vaccines for about the last 10 years. The only thing that changed is the amount of people dedicated to researching and the amount of money poured in to help with development and support. Yeah, I think I think the part that people don't realize about that is the fact that they were researching a lot of viruses very much in the family already over the last 10 to 20 years. Yeah, ever since we had the SARS outbreak, this has been a very active uh, area of interest because we knew that this is a possibility for a much more widespread infection. And and we were fortunate that that this came out of the same family. And so when they started to research this, they did not start from scratch. There was a, it was know, already a, a cousin a, was already. Yep. There was already a lot of data um, and some beginnings on the start of the MRA vaccination development process. Um, I, I want to ask uh, Sophia the question about uh, uh remote learning in last year, the sense I had was that that's sort of an alternative to masking and in-person. The sense I get is that most teachers and parents really didn't think that there was a whole lot of learning going. It was nice try, but... 
Yeah. Um, online learning, honestly, last year for I think everybody was a big hit. You know, as a parent, I have two children within the school district that I serve as well. And online learning was not easy at all. I have a child who is 12. Thankfully, he was able to get vaccinated. That is a gifted child, has always had straight A's. And last year, we even saw um, depression signs in him. He was, he just gave up. He didn't want to do school online anymore. It wasn't making sense to him, that interaction. And then just imagine, and he was a little bit older. Now imagine these teachers having a screen full of five or four-year-olds. How do you control that? There's no way that full learning, the way that it is done in person, it helps. And you miss that interaction. There's so much different that you get from a screen than when you're in person, you know, body language how the children are acting. Um, one of the biggest things in our community is that we serve a lot of a grand population of multi-generational homes. You know, our school district serves about a little bit more than 80% of Latino and black children. And those are the families that we know disproportionately are impacting, are getting impacted the most with COVID. So we obviously have decided to take those extra precautions. Now, right now, our school district, thankfully, has an online school for any families. And we have a pretty high number, especially right now with this new Delta variant. Our online um, academy is growing rapidly just because people are scared, again, to be in, you know, in the classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to ask you also, uh, since you imposed the mask mandate, uh, what kind of reaction have you gotten, firstly, from parents and secondly, from teachers and staff? So, like I said, because we um, serve a high population of um, black and brown children, I think our communities um, are very good at this is what they wanted. We actually heard their voices. Our community wanted the mask mandates. They did not feel comfortable sending their children without a mask. One of our schools is actually a K through six only. And out of those, out of that school, maybe a few kids have turned 12. So that's a school that fully has kids in campus that are not eligible to be vaccinated. So that was an extra worry, especially in that school. We had a lot of feedback from parents saying, this is what we want for our kids. Now, it's, it, it puts us as a school district in a, hot, in a hard spot because last year when, when this happened, we were only getting 95% of the funding anyways because another idiotic, and I'm going to say idiotic mandate that went out is that if you had online school, you were only going to get a certain percentage of funding. So it, it was important for us to have kids in schools so we're not suffering more. And this is the best way that we could do it was with the mask. Teachers right now, we haven't had a lot of feedback on them not wanting to do it or raising up lawsuits like I know right now. Well, Phoenix, I was going to ask about that. There was one teacher in yes. Phoenix Union who sued saying the mask mandate is illegal. Uh, Yes. So a science teacher in Phoenix Union actually did a lawsuit and they tried to do a temporary restraining order um, against the district. I know it's still in litigation, so a lot of the stuff is not out there yet. I know that they have a hearing on Friday, but the judge heard it and he basically said, OK, we're going to set this for oral argument. And this Friday actually is when the oral argument is going to happen. But we have not had that um, pushback in our district, thankfully. Yeah. And um the, one of the hurdles that they face is that legislation, when it's passed in this state, unless it has an emergency clause, has, I think it's a 60-day 
uh, right. period, and we're within the 60 days. So this law is not yet a law. Right. It it seems to me the courts usually try to take the easy way out and decide on the least uh, uh, the least grounds they can. It would seem to me that likelihood is they throw this out and say the law is not yet. I think they call I think they call it the issue is not yet ripe. Yeah. Meaning it's thrown out. But, but I would agree. We're going to see more uh, suits to do with this issue. And to be honest, for those legislature uh, or those representatives that are, are part of the Arizona legislature uh, that are saying that what school districts are doing is illegal, we we just say, look, this may be needed to be settled by the other branch of government. There's a reason we have a judicial branch. This is something that's probably going to be have to be settled in that arena. Be patient and wait for that outcome. Well, I want to thank you both, uh, Dr. Jacqueline Carter, Sophia Carrillo-Dahl from the Creighton School District. We'll be back here in a moment with Tony Caney talking about some of the political aspects of what's going on. I want to thank you both for coming. Thank you. Thank you. The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We've been discussing schools, masks, and COVID with Dr. Jackie Carter and Sophia Carrillo-Dahl, who's a, a board member at the Creighton School District. They've left, and we are here now with Tony Kenny. Welcome back to the show. Tony's a political consultant, and... Uh, there's obviously a political dimension to this. The governor, the legislature has staked out one position and a whole lot of educational institutions, including both ASU and the U of A, have come out firmly on the other side. Uh, school districts as well. Uh, I don't think those are all in the same camp, but a lot of them have uh, moved on it. Um, there's some political conflict that just Let's just be very open with you. What's your take on what's happening and what's the political fallout? I think ASU is a really good place to start because, you know, when they make decisions like this at a university like ASU or University of Arizona, they're consulting their own world-class experts in this stuff. They are a part of an, in, of an international community of universities that are dealing with this all over the world. Um, and so that's how they made the decision to sort of uh, you know, call the, the governor's bluff. And then on the other hand, you have the governor who is clearly making these decisions, hoping to get a headline on one of those right wing social media sites. You know, the his spokesman, when asked about schools making the tough decision to bring the mandate back in order to keep kids under 12 who aren't vaccinated safe. The spokesman called it virtue signaling. It's an unserious answer to a really serious problem, but it just shows the posture that they're taking here, which is whatever the governor's future plans are, whether it's to run for president or to be taken seriously as a national Republican pundit or whatever it is that he wants, that's driving his decisions and not the safety of our kids. And so, you know, it should go without saying that family members getting sick and dying is bad politics, right? I was the deputy director on the presidential campaign for Joe Biden. And one of the things that we learned last year was the willingness of Republican and right-leaning independents to vote against Trump because of the way 
that he dismissed the tragedy of families, basically saying these seniors and these other people who passed away, it's pre-existing conditions, it's because of their age. And they almost were asking people, and I think the governor did this too, of Arizona to say, like, hey, look, sacrifice the well-being of your grandparents in order to, you know, keep the economy going the way that they put it. Uh, And now it seems like they're doing the exact same thing, but with grandkids. And that is not going to go over well with voters. It's just it's just not. I want to read you a a tweet from the governor. and, And I read this and it sure sounds like he's trying to have it both ways. He says, getting back to moments we miss like live sports, concerts, theater performances and more is going to take a commitment from all of us to wear a mask. So he's obviously making the he's urging, but not mandating. Yeah, that's the that's sort of the it, it's very frustrating. I think that you know you've got you've got the constitutional power of being governor, but then you also have the soft power of being a leader and your ability to, you know, set an example for people to make people feel safe to let people understand that there are ways that we can keep the economy going and get our kids back in the classroom, but do it safely. Um, That is what a governor should be doing. But instead, he wants to keep his right flank happy, a complete lack of acknowledgement of the sort of the bungling of COVID from his office has had. I mean, we were the worst place in the world twice for COVID. And right now, pediatric cases, I think, are at 15 percent. That's how, you know, of, of the people who have COVID right now. Uh, it's dangerous to be responsible for the public health of a state when you only seem to be caring about politics. I'm looking at what's going on right now, and it seems to me like we may be at an inflection point. There is a cascade of organizations, both public and private, that are moving towards mask mandate. We talked about the universities. We talked about these various school districts. Not all of them yet, but a lot of them. Don't know, don't know that we've, anybody's done a count. Uh, the United States military is on the edge of an ab, a vaccine mandate for all military personnel. That's, a, you know, that's two million people. Uh, the federal government... Uh, I got to wonder if at some point one of the next ones might not be the airlines. Well, I I heard that I I read that United is requiring their employees to be vaccinated. But so far, the other airlines aren't following suit. I'm thinking there's potentially a marketing advantage to that. I I think so. Even that most people have been vaccinated. If you were to say you're getting on this plane and everybody in it is going to be vaccinated, whether it be the pilot, the the other staff, the passenger, 100 percent vaccinated. I think there's a lot of people who would affirmatively select that airline. It's not like a better brand of coffee or something. We're talking about safety. And if that starts to happen again, restaurants, you could see. And there have been a couple have gone the other way. We won't serve anybody with, you know, with a mask or whatever. But but that seems to me to be a fringe thing. But, uh, uh, you know, people are dying to go out, but safely. I mean, they're fighting. They're, we're feeling cooped up from, oh, sure. from the shutdowns. Sure. 
and we want to get out. But uh, and I'm I'm not so much here talking. Well, I think some combination of masks on the way in. But yeah, I mean you have to take if you're going to have dinner, you have, the mask has to come off. So vaccinations, I think, are the the primary thing there. I wonder, but it seems to me that it it's the same kind of folks who are objecting to both. You know, there, there's no vax, no mask. It's, a lot of it comes out of the same place. Some ideological. Uh, principle that says, uh, don't anybody tell me what to do. I think, well, some of the, some reasonable, I think, opposition to mask mandates that I've heard uh, is that the only people who are going to follow it are the vaccinated people anyway, because the people who are using, you know, the polit- the, polit- the political, it's, impo- it's politicized with masks. And so, you know, I think I know that there's hesitancy thinking like, well, if we do these mask mandates, you know, are we going to be able to convince the right people to do it? But, you know, when your employer tells you to get vaccinated, you got to get vaccinated. I was, you know, for or or if you go to a new university, whether it's I mean, it's think, for example, like you if you go to ASU. And so I look I look this up. So Governor Ducey first stepped foot at ASU in 1982 when he did. He had to get an MMR vaccine. He had to. He had to show proof of a vaccine. And this is not new. This is a thing that the world does to keep people safe. And, you know, I personally have been impacted by COVID. I've lost family members and friends. And I'm so angry at the way that the that the governor and you know, the Republican legislature is handling this. And I'm just, I feel what you're saying, Mike. I, I'm putting my hope and faith in private entities and businesses to try and get enough people vaccinated because I just don't have faith that our government, you know, is going to do it. No. Uh, I think most public health people will tell you that vaccines were probably the single thing that more helped health care on the planet than anything else. Uh, uh, My sister was one of the last people in the country to get polio. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember being rushed uh, frantically out of the house to move somewhere else when there, and that was, that was highly infectious Mm -hmm. and, and deadly. Um, You know, polio is nobody, we don't worry about smallpox. Uh, You know, a number of these things were just horrible and they are currently non-issues. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. I think part of the reason why people are more open to being anti-vaccine is because they look around and they are feeling safe because of what vaccines accomplished for us. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's an absolute miracle of science that we have these vaccines. And, and and there is a little bit of people I've, I've heard people argue with the vaccine. Oh, there's a, you know, COVID, there's a 98 uh, percent survival rate. Well, two percent in this country is six million dead. Every time they say stuff like that, people who've been impacted by loss mm-hmm. are thinking about how this is a person who doesn't think the death of my loved one counts. We got about a minute left. Uh, I wonder if you'd answer. Do you think ultimately does the governor have to punt on this eventually? I mean, does the groundswell get so large 
and and the number of other uh entities that are defying him on this and the and and the voters in general does ultimately he have to have to give on this if i were to speculate about what he's thinking i think that they are just trying to run out the clock they know that more people will slowly get vaccinated that more businesses will be mandating this and then all of a sudden they can say look see we were fine we didn't have to require this at schools I do not think he's going to back down because, unfortunately, all of his actions seem to be based on politics, not health, not science. Okay, thank you very much, Tony Kenny. Uh I'm Mike O'Neill, reachable at mikeoneill.org. See you next week in the Think Tank.